You're listening to Corb Conversations on the Business of Brands with Sudeep Chawla and Sharavana Raghavan. You know what, Sharan? Whenever I've heard any marketer presenting any of their cases about you know any great campaign that they did or any great launch that they did, almost always I have found them. mention in this word called insight and they would go and say that we were trying to solve this problem we went and met a lot of consumers and you know what we discovered the insight was there so there is always an insight and then around the insight is how their you know the entire campaign or their entire execution is based so it almost seems to me that you know this tangible intangible called insight is a precursor to marketing success so why don't we dedicate today's episode to understanding the insightful world of insights perfect let's do it and what better way than to insight you and this is the other insight i n c i t insight you on this topic so it is my turn to interview you so that you can give us some insight into the world of insights so why don't you start by defining for all our listeners sharan what is an insight and insight i'd call it the most penetrative marketing wisdom but i mean that's that's still a very wise man answer or trying to sound very wise to break that down i'd say it is a deep consumer truth that drives a certain consumer action it is the unstated why that gets consumers to behave the way they do and it almost always is a belief now a belief needed to be true necessarily it just needs to be a belief and that belief will drive the action this is a little politically incorrect statement for a marketer to make but i will even go to the extent of saying an insight is an emotional vulnerability of the consumer now it is up to the brand to use this vulnerability to sell more to them or to use to identify this vulnerability and help them come out of that vulnerability so a brand could use it either way but identifying this truth that the consumer operates with truth in the consumer's life that is an insight you will also hear a lot of marketers say there is a aha moment that is the insight moment that you get you get something that has been staring you in your face all along but suddenly you a realization hits you saying why consumers behave the way they do and that is your insight okay so i would latch on to the simplest statement that you made which was that it it is almost always a belief and when you say it needn't always be true can i paraphrase and say that it needn't always be logical absolutely okay absolutely because what is logical to you and me is not necessarily logical or illogical to somebody else and therefore even logic varies and there's truth varies your truth and my truth can be different therefore you're perfectly right when you say it need, need not even be logical okay understood so you've given us fairly tight definition of insight and if you were to also you know clarify it further by saying what is not an insight what could be mistaken for an insight 
Right. Actually, that's a very good question because the term insight is used very liberally by marketers to sound like marketers. What is not an insight is a wish statement from the consumer. When the consumer says, I wish I had this, it's not an insight. It is just a want. And an insight is always less apparent, intangible, and even latent. And you must always seek to understand the motivation behind that want to get to the insight. Just because a consumer says they want something, it does not become an insight. Okay. So if we build upon it, if I say that I want to use a fairness cream, now that's not an insight is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. Why do you want that fairness cream? Why do I want? Okay. So therefore, if I say that I believe that having a fairer skin would make me more confident, is that an insight? Yes, it does. We could even push it even further to say looking fair makes you feel confident. And that could be the insight that drives this. Sure. So you've re-articulated what I said, Hmm. but you asked me the why and hence you understood this belief. Exactly. The other point that gets uh, misinterpreted for an insight is data. There are so many people who participate in something or want so many people who have ice creams in the summer or whatever, any data does not necessarily translate to an insight. In fact, it's the opposite of insight. Hmm. The moment you can logically map something out, it stops being an insight. It's not an insight anymore, just data. But data could be the starting point of your thought process to find an insight. But data itself is not an insight. Fair. So once you discover an insight, for example, I told you that I will feel confident if I have fairer skin, then you could possibly use data via a question that how many of people like me believe that fairer skin makes them confident? Yes, I could validate, I could use data to validate an insight that I found out. And usually the data is a trigger to go find an insight also. Why is this happening? So that takes me to the next point of what is not an insight. An observation is not an insight. If you look at the logic flow, it starts with data. Then a data gives you a certain observation. For example, let's say an observation is that men buy more fairness creams than women, sticking with the example. That is an observation. The fact that men buy fairness creams is not an, is not an insight. It's just an observation of data. Why men buy fairness creams is the insight. So if you were to do a, a straight-on comparison, the insight is the trigger for the action. The observation is the fact that the action is being taken is taking place at all and an insight is also a gut feeling of the consumer like i said it's never articulated observation can be articulated and when as a marketer you can always infer observation from data and insight can come only by talking to and understanding the consumer better so this is an observation that goes across say, multiple categories, health foods, snacks, even your hand wash for that matter. The observation is that moms want their kids to be healthy and free from illnesses. And therefore, they buy these categories that kind of prevent illnesses, healthier snacks. They want to give them bone vita and milk. They want to 
by uh, a lifeboy hand wash which works which works faster than 2 minutes all of it now what is the intent behind this action of mothers going out of the way to make sure that their children are not ill is that it is that if the child is weak the mother feels like a bad parent it is her insecurity the emotional vulnerability we spoke of earlier that is the insight here the mother is always insecure or conscious about a child being weak and that reflecting on her being a, a poor parent that drives the action to make sure that her children are not weak and therefore the way she engages with these categories and brands is the data and the observation you get okay and if we for example sharan extend this further so suppose we say that the the child is a reflection of mother's efforts then that this starts applying to the entire you know education industry a couple of unicorns now infamous unicorns possibly had made a big business out of it so therefore an insight at the very core hence could lead to observations across multiple categories hmm. absolutely the same insight can work across crazy amount of categories another example if you want to look at if you look at uh, a recent episode we did about celebrity endorsements that a popular observation is that young men look up to movie stars as their role models in life and what is the intention behind this action why do they uh, look up to them and what do they want from it is that they can be seen consuming the gutka pan masala and all of it because they believe it gives them a certain license to tap into the persona of the celebrity and therefore build their own self belief in themselves and that is why they emulate a certain celebrity's behavior and even though you can advertise it as saying unhealthy you could call it of saying it's, it's pseudo marketing and all of it having a celebrity there influences a, a large section of the youth to take on what the celebrity is endorsing because they want to feel like the celebrity feel his persona or be a part of the persona and be a chip of that old block is what they want to be and that is the insight i think this again applies to multitude of categories oh absolutely from uh, you know everything that has celebrity endorsement in fact not just marketing i'll just say that from time immemorial the reason some of the dialogues became iconic is that people picked on them and by delivering those dialogues they were invoking the celebrity inside them yeah the celebrity's persona inside them the dialogues why even go as far as dialogues haircuts the the, the clothes they wore all of it comes from the same insight yeah understood so now we understood insight we understood what is not an insight i had started off by saying i have seen insight at the center of a lot of marketing successful marketing campaigns now could you just shed a little bit of more light on why is the insight important why do we need an insight your insight is the bedrock of all innovation in marketing it is the biggest tool for disruption that a brand can have in a category so when you have a unique insight you it gets you to focus on a consumer problem from a perspective that no one else is solving for 
you immediately come to a space where nobody's competing with you in saying what you're saying. And that becomes your competitive edge. And if an insight is strong enough, it can even reposition your brand completely and build a unique or a new emotional connect with your target audience. That's how powerful a consumer insight can be. But there are so many innovators, the best of innovators in the world have spoken about insights. And they are these famous quotes, right? Henry Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. But that is because they said faster horses is the want. That's not the insight. The insight was travel. Insight was faster travel. And he made those cars. Steve Jobs is famous for saying this, right? People don't want what they want until you show it to them. Our task is to read things that are not yet on the page, as in not just reading what's on the page, but being able to predict or even understand what's not yet on the page, which is basically what's in the consumer's mind. Those are all insight-seeking statements. So all of these statements also talk about the fact that when the consumer articulates their want, they operate from today's frame of reference. Exactly. I think I I could not have put it better. You're right. So they deliver it in terms that are visible today. When you dip into their core beliefs, you could then use that to innovate, create a new frame of reference tomorrow. And it will be as relevant, as dear, as close to the consumer's preference because it stems from an insight, an human insight. Yes. Absolutely. You're listening to Cobb, conversations on the business of brands. Your hosts are Sudeep Chawla, marketing practitioner, business leader, and educator to advertising and marketing professionals, and Sharavana Raghavan of Vitral Brand Expertise growth consultants to consumer-facing brands and businesses. For more information, go to cobcast.net. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling your friends and rating us. Now, is there a process or a framework or some kind of an exercise you know, which can be undertaken by somebody, any of our marketers or startup owners or agency partners, etc., to get to an insight? What would be your suggestion? I wouldn't have a framework necessarily for this, but I have a process. It first starts with the mindset. This I would call the step zero. It requires an insight mindset, which means willing to be stupid, the ability to be non-judgmental, and most of all, to be curious, to know why consumers are behaving the way they do. Once this mindset is in place, is when you can begin your insight journey. I'd say step one would be to start with a question. And this question should be focused on understanding a particular aspect of consumer behavior or mindset that is relevant to your brand. Why are consumers behaving a certain way? Why is this happening in my category? Why are people dropping out after using it for three months? Why are they changing the brand every four months? 
why they're trying multiple brands together. It could be anything. So start with that question. Do your research. Last episode, you spoke about DIY market research. So do the qual and the quant and do it with intent to answer the question you come up with in the first step. And nothing, I repeat, nothing works as good as visiting consumers personally and talking to them. Once you think you have a kind of an idea of what's going on, you have your quant, you have a qual data, then sit back with your team ideally even if not a team, just by yourself, and identify patterns. Look at the data. Look for patterns and anomalies. These are things that stand out as being interesting or unusual, contrary to what you originally thought. And that will start leading you on the path of deeper understanding. And look for the more absurd observations at best. This is when your observation comes in. Look for the most absurd observations because that's where the insight usually comes from. And then move on to the fourth step. Now that you have your observation, now start asking the why. For each anomaly, say, why is this happening? What does this mean? And this will help you understand the intent or the motivations behind these actions. If possible, even you can go back and talk to consumers, but I think... If you keep asking this even within your team, look at your data and ask these questions, you will still find a certain amount of answers. And then distill these findings. Write it down in simple, very simple layman terms in five to seven word sentences. So once you've identified the insight, make it a clear, concise concise statement that captures the essence of the thinking that you've discovered. It's still not an insight. It could still be false. So the next step, test it. Write out these insights as proper concepts and take it back to consumers and do a qualitative research, not quant this time. Do a qual because your reason for doing this concept testing or group discussion is to understand how to fine-tune your insight even better. So do a qualitative check. Once you have validated these insights with consumers, now support it with all the evidence. Now, now is when you start beginning to sell it internally. So right from the data that triggered the question to the data you collected in your research to the validation you put together, now put all of it together and support the evidence to say why this insight is, is true. And be very careful here because this is when you break away from the absurd and you have a logic to why this is happening marketers have a tendency to focus on the anecdotes versus the norm. Because anecdotes are very interesting. They might not necessarily be the norm. For example, say, even South Indians like paratha. Oh, this one village in South India imports parathas, I mean, uh, gets in parathas from Bombay, couriered, and they eat. That, that doesn't mean every family in South India is going to get parathas couriered in from Bombay. So there are anecdotal information and there are norms. So always look at what's true for the larger population, larger target audience. Be careful of that. It's not about telling interesting stories, but telling the right stories that impact your brand. And then at the last stage, explore the implications. What does this mean for business? Explain what, if this is true, what changes in your decision, business decision? 
Does it change your product thinking? Does it change your marketing strategy? Does it change the way you communicate with them? And what are the risks if this insight is not true? Capture that also. So once you've done this is when you have a proper solid insight that is sold within your system. So it's an eight-step thing. First is your mindset to have an insight mindset. Two, start with a proper, clear question that's relevant to your brand. Three, do your research, do your qual and quant research to find out why. Then identify patterns. That's when you spot your observations. Then torture the observation with why questions so that you get to possible insights. Then articulate those insights perfectly in a very concise manner. Then test the insight. Now support the validated insight with evidence. And finally, put up implications of the insight being true and false so that you can sell it within your organization. Very nice. I think this this sounds like a fairly logical one. I was reminded of a very funny example. I think both of us discussed this. This was for some Polish brand where they discovered that, you know, rural area in a particular state was consuming a lot of shoe polish. Of course, uh, suddenly people have not started owning leather shoes there. Uh, So therefore, that was your question that why is this particular rural area consuming a lot of shoe polish? It's an observation. It's a data. So therefore, what you would do is you would possibly then, you know, look at the data, understand how prevalent this is, how many towns of such kind, how many villages of the such kind exist that are consuming a lot of data. And then basis that you will, you know, then try and reach there and do a little bit of research. So uh, you would say, okay, who is selling? Who are they selling to? What are they using for? And when these guys went and they discovered, they understood that it is the farmers who are buying and farmers are using the polish to apply it on their buffaloes. Right? So it had (laughs) nothing to do with shoes. So that becomes your first level of why. Yeah, first level of research. Now, when you recover from this absurdity, you will then ask why. You recover from from your, your fainting and then say, why are you putting my polish on the buffalo? Correct. And then you will possibly get to an insight, which is that a blacker buffalo, when sold in a cattle market, fetches significantly large amount of money as compared to a buffalo which is not as black. So a black buffalo is considered, a really black buffalo is considered the highest quality buffalo. Hence the said use case of a shoe polish. Now it's an excellent you know, demonstration of inciting, getting to understand the real reason. I'm not sure how much can you, you know, test it and then sell it internally and possibly explore the implication that tomorrow alongside shoe polish we should also launch a buffalo polish unless you're you're in the buffalo makeup business yeah so in that case you will then want to you know increase average throughput and say that not only will i give you a polish to shine their skin but i'll also give something else to decorate their horns and stuff like that right might as well ride the opportunity you will make a kit out of it right buffalo makeup kit Nah, buffalo makeup kit. So now, Sharon, to make it come alive, is there any example from your, from the work that you've done where you could possibly, you know, tell us the observations, some facts, and therefore take us down the rabbit hole and help us uh, help elucidate how you 
became the knight in shining armor by getting an insight out of it See, i didn't need the insight to become the knight in shining armor i came riding on a horse like that <laughs> no but seriously i worked a lot of innovation across markets right so there is one particular concept which i thought was even not googleable and this happened in uh, indonesia this was when i was at goruj consumer and uh, gcpl had the number one selling brand in air care fragrances in home fragrance in indonesia and this is an old brand this was an acquired business the brand was called stella it was the most lower rung brand in the category but was the largest selling you could equate it to a odonil but way better than what odonil is it's a it's a different product and we were struggling to uptrade consumers from that so it was roughly selling at about 10 rupees 20 rupees india indian rupee value and we weren't able to uptrade consumers so we were just looking at why why are we not able to uptrade consumers the category is there but there are very few very small players it had to be the market leader who could uptrade consumers while on one of the market visits i noticed every detergent brand have like seven or eight fragrances as in they are classified by fragrances and i've worked in india and a few other markets before this to know fragrances in the home cat category are not more than 2 3 usually and i then i kind of noticed even floor cleaners were that many sometimes even 10 as we went deeper we realized every category had a lot of fragrances option in fact there was in a category for uh, ironing clothes a spray to use when you're ironing clothes to give fragrance to your clothes even when you're ironing them so i found this very curious i wasn't sure why i've never seen this category before so went in talking to consumers and initially i just couldn't crack why they were doing what they were doing and all of them seemed to be using these categories and every house i saw stella products so that also made me happy but we weren't sure why they were buying so many fragrances it took me about a good number of households to understand that a lot of the indonesians they follow chinese medicine mm-hmm. and as per chinese medicine it believes that the yellow skin the skin of the asian man is the most porous and strong winds cause gastric issues and the wind goes through your skin into your body and creates gastric issues and they mm-hmm. believe in this concept called masuk angit it's called the disease of the wind it possibly was born out of an infection that spread through air but it's been interpreted very differently locally so as a result what what had happened is that they don't use fans in jakarta in in indonesia at homes so which i it took me a few few home visits to realize that there are no fans at homes in bali there are so i've been to bali on holiday so i never really noticed it there but in jakarta i noticed a lot of the homes without ac without fans and then it kind of all started adding up in a tropical country where people sweat a lot there is high non-veg consumption and poor waste disposal systems fragrance becomes a very very big requirement 
and fragrance there is a proof of your social status hmm it's not just about your fragrance if somebody comes home or you go out that is why even they consume a lot of perfumes also all of this having to smell good despite your surroundings is the statement of your status which was a mind blowing realization for us hmm and that triggered the entire innovation agenda on fragrance and air care for gcpl starting on this small insight the fact that it happened in a foreign country new culture and you're not going to change that by telling them no no that's not true that's the worst thing you can do as a marketer you've hmm. got to live with that insight and you got to leverage that insight to build your brand and that's that is one of the most interesting insights i have had in my career uh, in a for in a foreign environment as a result what we did was stella no longer focused on just communicating fragrance hmm. we had to start communicating the social and status aspect of it to hmm. get people to upgrade now that was the actionable insight for the brand excellent no i think that's a great summary of the entire process sharan uh, hopefully it has been an insightful session for all our listeners so thank you very much for it thank you so much sudeep thank you for listening to cob conversations on the business of brands with sudeep chawla and sharavana raghavan subscribe and learn more at cobcast.net that's c o b b c a s t dot net